Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young, a 50-year-old South African man who owns a vineyard. Yep. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll think of something. Uh, my brain doesn't work sometimes this time of night, so I don't think of any, anything. So, but yeah, but who are you? What, what's your name? Where did oh, you come my, from? Oh, really? In the really real world? In the really real world. My name's Vanessa Mitchell, previous former owner of The Cage, England, uh, UK's most haunted house, and um, mother of two. Mother of two. Well, we shall start this evening with a huge happy St. Patrick's Day to one and all. Yes, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone, especially to the Irish, of course. To all of our Irish friends around the globe, uh, we hope you're having a good one. We're going to have, I'm not having a Guinness, I'm not a fan, but I'm going to have a drink to commemorate. Is commemorate the right word? Uh, to mark the occasion, maybe, <laughs> is, is, a, is a better use. of a better use. Um, yeah, today's the day, and so... Obviously, this is a very St. Patrick's themed episode. So I was racking my brains for something to do for this week. I wanted to do something interesting, something to educate myself maybe on. Mm. And I thought, oh, goodness, well, what what a one to start with. I obviously know a, a, a tiny amount about St. Patrick, but I don't know the full story. I don't know the origin. See, I, don't, I don't know. Prepared to be educated this episode. So... I think this will fit in myth and legends. Right. And um, we shall start shortly, but we shall begin with a small update. Yes. On my lion. Mm. So, um, not yesterday the day before, we had an attempted break-in at the new house. Yeah. We had a man jivying it up, trying to get through the front door. Police and forensic were on yeah, the scene. Yeah, bad. On the scene, they've dusted the door for prints. Nothing, just lots of glove marks. Um, we are... But they said it was a serious breaking attempt, didn't they? Because yeah. they could see where they'd literally tried to jimmy the door open. Which is weird, because, I mean, two men live there. So I don't know what they thought they were going to confront if they'd have got in, because they'd have had a handful on their hands. It wouldn't have ended well for the burglar. Because I've got a rock salt lamp and that's heavy and I'd smack someone in the head with that. I thought you said you were going to scare him away by putting on your kimono, playing Liza and getting out your feather boa. Hey, big spender. And, uh, yeah. Can you imagine if you broke into a house and you heard that come from the living room, you'd <laughs> run a mile, run a mile. My well, hairy leg distending from outside the door. <laughs> hey, big spender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your hairy, muscle, muscly, tattooed leg. You see, do you know what I said? Come into my parlour, said the spider to the fly. Obviously, the burglar being the fly. There you go. Yeah, it wouldn't have ended well. Anyway, so we had that. And so, obviously, last night, we went to B&Q and got all of our odds and sods to reinforce the house. We're now Fort Knox, so if the burglar is listening, good luck. I challenged thee to enter my <laughs> premises. Good luck to you. We've got spikes on the fences, spikes on the gates. I've got Video cameras. Doorbells. I've got everything. I've got deadbolt locks on the Have door. Have you got I've a got... sign saying a Rockweiler, Rockweiler lives here? Or didn't you go that far? No, I've got a sign that says a very flamboyant fairy will come down and, <laughs> <laughs> and smite thee. I'm, I'm going yeah. to... God protects this house. Thank you. Yeah. He will yeah. smite thee down and turn you into a pillar of salt. Quite right. Quite right. But anyway, so in the process of that, 
But again, so do you know, last <laughs> week I said that um, there was a bit of like bang crash wallop and then all of the garden equipment that was propped up against the wall and been there for days and days and days on end yeah. fell. Well, last night, so obviously I've done all of them things and I'm a little bit, I'm on tenter hooks. Um, I'm a bit nervous, a bit anxious about things. Don't feel 100% comfortable. Someone's tried to, you know, break into my home. And then in the garden, again, yeah. it was like one after the other. So like, it was like one one noise, second noise, third noise. And I went, Jake, Jake, there's someone, quick, quick. Get. Yeah, yeah. Someone's in the garden, someone's in the garden. And we've like, it's, there's all like sensor lights in the garden. None of them were on. But being brave as I am, I went downstairs to investigate. No, it was all the garden equipment, again, that I'd picked up and propped back up, fell one by really? one individually. And because it's like a spade and like a rake, it's yeah. metal. So it's that clanging. Yeah, that's yeah, when it falls, yeah. it's like cling. Like, yeah. But they all fell individually, one by one, in quick succession. Um, that's weird, isn't it? Strange. Strange, but true. Uh, maybe, I'm going to say maybe the lion protected the home, saved us. Well, I mean, when we talk about because I don't, objects, I don't know how they didn't get in. I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't tell you how they didn't get in. I mean, when we talk about haunted objects, some hauntings are, are, are for good. It's not all for bad. <clears throat> maybe there is a bit of protection there. The mighty maybe lion. Maybe the energy around it. It's got, yeah. And maybe he quite likes his new home and he's thinking, no, I like these people. Yeah. And he's saying no. Yeah, off there's you go. something attached to that that's got definitely got energy around it, and maybe it is for good. It's interesting to 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 monitor, but that, that those tools keep on falling down. That there's a message in that somewhere. It's trying to get some attention. And you know, because Freddie I'm... can see from all the rooms in his house, he can see the garden, can't you? Yes, that's, that's just the yeah. way. It so is. it's an L, it's an L-shaped house, and then the whole house overlooks the garden. Yeah, and I'm not a silly man. Listen, I propped them up when they fell over. What? When did we last record this? Uh, last last week. week. Last week. They've been there over the weekend, all through the week. They've yeah. been fallen over, and then within it, it, within a minute, three of them have all fallen over, yeah. but not all at once in quick succession. But it's lovely weather down here at the moment, isn't it? The sun's out. There's not the even really a breeze. There's to not be a honest, breeze. Let alone a wind. I was hot today. Yeah. I Everyone's was hot. in t-shirts today. Yeah. So I think that's strange. We shall see. Um, but with that update, um, with the lion, any updates from you? Anything you want to say or mention before we get into this week's episode? Um, not that I can think of right now. I think we'll have an update on U Ukraine next week. Um, no, nothing I think of right now, but I might be able to think of something. Something might pop into my brain and I will say to you, oh, sorry to interrupt. And then I'll just say it randomly. And then you'll give me one of those looks, death stares, like what are you doing? And, and I'll just ignore it and carry on. And then we'll... Um, just a very quick one. A very dear and old friend of mine reached out to me yesterday and said, oh my goodness, Fred, I've just, I've just uh, discovered your podcast. I love it. There's a listener from me. Oh, so thank good. you, young Molly. You're a star and she's of Irish descent. So listen. Oh, cool. This one's for you. <laughs> this one's for you. So 
we're going to start. So St. Patrick's Day has been celebrated in Ireland for around a thousand years, uh, dating back to the 9th century. Historians believe that the first parade to celebrate St. Patrick's Day took place on March 17th, 1601. Mm. However, it wasn't actually in Ireland, and instead it took place in a Spanish colony, 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 I love it when I have to correct your words. Thank you. Because I have to do it quite often, and you're so intelligent, it's actually nice that I can actually correct you on something for this, once. Oh, listen, that's all right. Um, known as St. Augustine in Florida. Yeah. The parade and celebrations were created by the Spanish colony co colonies, Irish vicar, Ricardo Artur. <laughs> Ricardo. In 1772, the St. Patrick's Day celebrations spread to America, uh, well, across America, I should say, with Irish soldiers serving in the English army marched across New York to mark St. Patrick's Day and the life of St. Patrick. And from here on, celebrations grew more popular in America, prompting more cities to join in. St. Patrick's Day in America is a huge, huge deal. St. Yeah. Patrick's Day in Ireland is massive. St. Patrick's Day in, in the UK is still recognised and still celebrated. Yeah, but not to the extent. Not to the extent that it is um, in America and in Ireland. Um, so a little bit more, a little bit of background. So in 1848, the official New York City St. Patrick's Day Parade began. Um, and it's one of the largest parades in America to date, with over 150,000 people taking part each year and almost three million people watching mm. so it's a you know it's a huge huge deal so obviously st patrick's day or or anything irish really we associate with the color green yep don't we so you would be fooled to think that the color green is associated with st patrick's however history reveals that the color was originally blue oh. interesting fact of the day um this changed the color the, to the color green because People felt that it represents Ireland um, a little bit better with its, you know, leafy green views. Yeah. And it's called the Emerald Isle. Yeah. Um, and obviously the shamrock and things. Yeah. It all just ties in. That Four leaf clover is yeah. green. It all just ties in a little bit better. Um, the history of wearing green dates back to the 18th century and its popularity has risen since then. Well, green's my favourite colour. I love green. Yeah, it's my favourite colour. What shade of green would you All say? All shades of green all for me. Shades. Yeah, just love it. I like, yeah, I like all shades of green as well, to be fair. My front room is green, painted it green very recently. Mm. Are you going to paint any of your rooms green? Well, I've painted my bathroom green, haven't I? The oh, yeah, you have, to be fair. Bathroom. And your bathroom is a similar colour to my front room, I yeah. would say. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so... A little bit about St. Patrick, the man himself. Now, I knew some bits, but I wouldn't say a, not a great deal um, about him. So, initial thoughts, anything that you could say about I, the man? I'm ashamed to say I don't know a bloody thing. If you say something, I might think, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. But my brain cannot recall anything completely off the bat, no, from, my, from memory. Okay, so St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. But people believe, and historians and stuff have tried to trace it back as best they can, they believe that he was born in Wales. 
towards the end of the fourth century. Mm. So exact dates are still a little bit uncertain, but they believe it to be around 385 AD. Um, his father was believed to have been a Christian deacon, but it is suggested that he probably took on the role because of the tax incentives, but because there's no real evidence that he'd become from a really religious background or religious family. Mm. So it, when he was a teenager, and they say around 16 years old, Patrick was kidnapped by Irish raiders and sold to an Irish farmer in the county of Antrim. Here, he was treated like a slave and forced to look after sheep and pigs on a lonely hill. Um, very solitary. Yeah. He suffered hunger and neglect here and eventually turned to God and Christianity to combat this suffering. He was kept here for six years and obviously turned to the Bible for prayer and for comfort. One night, he heard the voice of God in a dream, who told him to escape from this mountain and go to the harbour, where there would be a boat waiting to help him escape and take him home. With this newfound powerful faith, he trusted the voice and made his attempt to escape. He made it to the harbour and was allowed onto a ship where he found his way home. Now, obviously, um, this has reinforced his belief. Yeah. So, And the uh, message that he message. got was true and yeah. it happens, yeah. So when he was at home, he continued to pray to God and he eventually became a priest at a monastery in France. He worked very hard and eventually made his way into becoming a bishop mm. and in time returned to Britain. So obviously at the time, Ireland and probably Wales and Scotland as well um, was pagan and Celtic majority yeah. in their in their belief system so he decided to return to ireland to teach them about god and faith when he arrived in ireland trying to spread the word he was first met with lots of resistance obviously um but eventually he managed to spread his teachings through preaching baptisms and writing and obviously ireland as we know it today is incredibly incredibly religious yeah and and um i mean i've got family there and i spent quite a bit of time in dublin as a child going when i say quite a bit of time but we had family holidays there with my auntie and uncle cousins and you know what we could be in those pubs till three o'clock in the morning and they'd all still get up for church and sit through a big uh, catholic um service so and a catholic dedication and a, for you and a catholic service it's no 30 minute business jesus it is long long yeah no matter how hungover they were they get up to get to church <laughs> they paid for their sins on a sunday <laughs> so obviously he recognized that there were many pagan spiritual beliefs and practices that were embedded in irish culture and with the irish people so he incorporated some of the rituals that they had and tried to turn that around and, you know, introduce that into Christianity. Um, so he chose to incorporate traditional ritual into his lessons of Christianity uh, instead of attempting to eradicate the Irish beliefs. So, for, in, for instance, he used bonfires to celebrate Easter since the Irish were used to honouring their gods with fire. He also superimposed a sun, which is an, a powerful Irish symbol, onto the Christian cross to create what is now the Celtic cross. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's a familiar, yeah, yeah. And that's a, you know, I'll post an image of a Celtic cross so you can have a so bit of an understanding. So he was quite, quite clever then. So very, he's trying very clever. To, to get his message a point, but he was doing it easy to, to, so they had familiar symbols. Because I think this is maybe what people in religion should do. You know, I understand that they, you know, want to convert and, and preach and get the message across. But in that process, you don't need to eradicate people's heritage no. people's like basic belief system but yeah. you can incorporate some of your teachings into what they already have because the base of all religion essentially is pretty much the same you know well it's source god isn't it it's uh, but unfortunately everyone sees god as different with different ways and different needs yeah. and wants from us when really it's all one in the same just human beings fuck it all up um, so obviously he created that the Celtic cross. He he included symbols from from their belief system, and he's married together, so it it would become a more natural thing for the Irish to appreciate and to honour and to to look towards, maybe even convert to. Um, it just it he made it a kind of natural process Pro, uh, progression. Yeah. He also, and this is why I think maybe that the shamrock. The, the clover is heavily a, a symbol of St. Patrick and Ireland. Um, so he used it as a parable uh, to teach the um, representation of the Holy Trinity. So, yeah. you know, a clover is three leaves, yeah. if you're lucky enough to get a full one. So, you know, it's the Trinity of Father, God the, the Father, Father God the Spirit. Son and God the Holy Spirit. And so he used the shamrock, which is readily available in Ireland to kind of preach that and so that you know it's, it's using the resources around clever, you really yeah amazing Especially in those days I mean that was a hard call trying to do all that shit those days so for the next 60 years St Patrick traveled around Ireland spreading the word of God and the Catholic faith he congregated over 350 bishops during his time to complete his work which is no easy feat, I should imagine. Even in today, he congregated. What do you mean? He um, amassed. He. Oh right, okay. He got to. He he, got, he, 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 he through his teachings and his work, he managed to introduce. So they converted. Conver they? Yeah, he managed to introduce into the Catholic faith so three hundred and fifty yeah. bishops yeah, yeah, to, hell, to, to carry on his teachings and spread his word. That's a lot of work, isn't it? When you think about well, it. Well, listen. I couldn't convert 350 people to go to the beach today. Do you know, you yeah. know, it's... Or to listen to our podcast. Or to listen to the <laughs> podcast. Um, he eventually died on the 17th of March today in the year 461 AD. Um, which in the... Anno Domini. Anno Domini. After, After death. death. Um, in the area which is now known as County Down. And obviously... St. Patrick's Day is celebrated on the 17th of March and that is to coincide with the day that he um, unfortunately passed. When St. Patrick arrived in Ireland, there mm. was, uh, it, you know, Christianity had made its way over there, but it was a, a very, very minute number. Mm. And he is um, credited with introducing the Catholic faith on a huge level to Ireland. Ha but this is the this is the thing. So the Irish culture 
is centered around a rich tradition of oral legend and myth so when you think about that i would say that potentially some of patrick's life has maybe been exaggerated over the years and like se- centuries um yeah through through storytelling and you know the irish love a story they well, love we all a, love a story we all love a story especially after a a, a bloody booze or two or a, a, a little a little Scot- tumbler of irish a whiskey malt. yeah that's what I'm, yeah nice single malt yeah not a fan of guinness do you like a guinness love guinness but, do you really? I, but I love the irish guinness I think there's nothing better than Guinness from in Ireland. Can you, yeah. so when you, have you ever poured a pint of Guinness? Yeah, I like to. Right. Can you do a shamrock in the top? No, I ha- no, I can't actually. I can. But I probably could if, if I actually thought about doing it. When I are wouldn't you, say it's when, out of my skill set. When I used to work in the pubs and clubs, I used to even be able to write people's names in the top of their Guinness. Ah, you're a clever boy. I'm a clever boy. So... I am now going to give you some of the myths and legends and tales of some of the things that St. Patrick got up to in his time in Ireland and why he is revered as the patron saint of Ireland. Some of the miracles he performed and and, and things like that. I'm just going to say one thing. When I was in Ireland years and years ago, many, many a moon ago, I went to this really old pub in the middle of the mountains with my Uncle Steve and some of my family and they had... They were selling snuff behind the bar. Tins of snuff. Right, well, and, what, and what year would you say this was? Well, I suppose I was in my 20s. So I'm going to say it was the 90s. Right. So anyway, so I got this snuff, and I, I hadn't really seen it before. And my uncle said, no, you sniff up your nose. Well, of course. I started sniffing this snuff, and I think I got addicted to it. Anyway, I said to my uncle, do you want some of this? He said, he said oh, Vess, I can't. He said, because... I used to, I, I got addicted to it. Now your auntie Frida won't let me snot it anymore. And I said, how can you get addicted to it? Well, I'm telling you what, within the fucking week of this holiday, I was, and you know what I did? I bought every single, after I had a snip, obviously I'm having a few vodkas, they're on the Guinness. I'm sniffing this snuff, because obviously you can do it. I thought, I like this. Before I left there, they were, you know, like we have our cartons of like peanuts or something. Well, these were snuff. Bacon I brought fries. every single one of them, took them all back home. I was on the snuff for ages. Now, it's actually it's, quite addictive. Is it snuff tobacco? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a powder. You sniff it up your nose, but yeah, it's powdered tobacco. But you can get menthol st- snuff or something, but you actually get a nice little buzz from it. But yeah, it is addictive. Well, I did. I, listen. But you that literally is blow out black thing but yeah i thought snuff died out like well exactly God, you would like... think it did but this is what i'm saying when i was in ireland it wasn't it's the first time I, that that's what i was remember ireland snuff yeah they were just just selling it from behind the and it wasn't even that expensive it was like something a pound of tin or something well i'll be interested to know does anyone still partake in snuff um I'm, i tell you what, i'm gonna order some and you can have some next time you come around Let's no because i've got an addictive personality that'll be it <laughs> What you doing? I'm on the snuff. Yeah, but it is, it is addictive. I'll end up looking like Daniela Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a no from me. I avoid all things like that. <laughs> I only drink tea and I do cross-stitch. Yes. And I stick to that because otherwise it'll all go wrong. <laughs> so, now this one you will know. When I tell you this, you will know this about St. Patrick. Right. So this is the, I reckon, the most popular story mm. about him is that he drove all the snakes out of Ireland. Never heard of it. Never heard of it? Never heard of it. I've watched the movie Snakes on a Plane. 
I've never right. heard of this. Can I just, for all our listeners, Samuel L. Jackson has nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day. Well, I watched that on a all plane right. on the way to Las Vegas, actually. That movie, I actually watched on a plane, Snakes on a Plane. Was it Shamrock Isles or something? Like, is that the flight you took? Or? No, it was on the way to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bigger plane than the Shamrock Isle plane, I can imagine. Right, so, St. Patrick is famed, very famed, for driving out all the snakes in Ireland. Um, well, I mean, legendary. I mean, he wouldn't have done, but for, for the purpose of the story, we'll go along with it for a minute. So... It has been proven to be false. <laughs> <laughs> so the story of Patrick banishing, banishing serpents from Ireland is actually first documented in writings about St. Columba, which I'll come to talk about soon. Um, and that was from the 8th century. There are right, later writings attributing the same feat to St. Patrick from the 13th century and beyond. But it's now accepted that it is just a legend because evidence shows that Ireland has never actually had any natural snakes. Um, so St. Patrick... Well, no, hold on. They would have had some grass snakes and some adders. No, nope, no. Nope. I don't believe that. No, nope, they don't have any natural snakes in Ireland. I don't think I believe that. No, no, it's fact. Google it now. Fact. Right. I don't believe that. Um, what people have suggested, though, is that the snakes are representative of uh, paganism. And druids and things like that, so yeah. that he's gone in with the with the Christian faith and belief, and has yeah. driven out. Yeah. Because snakes in the Bible are very symbolic. Yeah. Of things that are. And of course, the Garden of Eden. It was evil. The snake convinced. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get the. So that's what people uh, believe it to be. So I will tell you why that there are no natural snakes. So during the Ice Age. Um, all the snakes started to go northwards when everything started to melt and cool down. But obviously, Ireland is an island. And so the, the ice caps melted before the snakes could get there. I don't believe a word of it. If anyone is Irish, please, and you've seen a snake in Ireland in the natural habitat, please get in touch with us. Not trouser snakes. Well, I was going to say that. And then, I, do you know, I was going to say that, a one-eyed trouser snake, and I stopped myself. But then you said it. Well, I did say a one-eyed one. It was the one. first thing I thought of is a one-eyed one trouser snake, and I didn't say it. <laughs> well, anyway, if you have seen <laughs> one, I will, I will eat my hat. But there's a, the, the fella that runs the Natural History Museum in Dublin has also said that there is no snakes in Ireland. Wow. Unless you go to a zoo. Mm. So I stand by that. So, but they, they tried to say that this, St. Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland is not physical snakes, but in symbolic of... Yeah, um, the bad. The bad, and, yeah. and you know, because obviously Catholic, Catholicism would consider paganism to be bad. Yeah. So him driving that out is, and they've used the snake to be symbolic of that. Patrick is also said to have been tempted by the devil while on pilgrimage across to Ireland. Mm. Um, and he refused to let the devil tempt him. And God rewarded him a wish. Mm. He wished that Ireland be spared Judgment Day and that he himself get to judge the people of Ireland. Really? So a legend was born. The legend is that Ireland will disappear underwater years before the final judgment day and that St. Patrick will be the judge of the people rather than God. What, so it, Ireland will sink before anywhere? Well, that ain't a great trade. If Ireland goes underwater before 
the rest of the world is doomed. Well, I don't know. Well, it depends how we're doomed, doesn't it? Well, it depends how nice Patrick is, doesn't it, I suppose. Yeah, Patrick will be all right, I think. I think for him to say that, for him to offer, I, I, I don't think that's a deal that would stand now, to be honest. I think God's the final judge or the... No, no, there. no. I don't know if no. Patrick's got a, Listen, that much of a say in it. God's got to have some integrity. <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't be... If we believe Patrick in the first place. So... I like it though, I like it. No, I like the story. There's another popular legend um, that Patrick um, had a walking stick. Mm. And during his journey to Ireland, he stuck his walking stick into the ground um, in the areas that he was spreading the word of God. And the area that he's apparently done that um, was a place called Aspatria. Mm. I believe I've said that right. I hope I have. That's in Cumbria. It's not in Ireland. I stand corrected. Um, but it's called Aspatria. And that is like basically translated to like the ash stick of Patrick or something like that. Like that's literally the name is named after him and his right. walking stick. And it took so long for him to spread the word of Christianity that the staff took root in the ground and turned into a living tree. Yeah, I like things like that. I like things like that. Mm. Um, there's a really nice um, church in Aspatria mm. as well. I saw it on Google. Google it, it's quite nice to look at. There is also, as well, another myth and legend. Please excuse my pronunciation. I have tried my damnedest to try and do the pronunciation right. So here we go. Yeah. The Celtic Feast of Beltane. Oh, Beltane, yeah, I've heard of that. Right. And that is the Feast of Fires. Yeah, I've heard of that. Was a major festival to celebrate the um, the beginning of summer and yes. the triumph over dark powers. Wasn't that the equinox? Uh, the, 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 the equinox beginning of the summer, you know. Potentially, when the, yeah, potentially. I think it was, yeah. It would coincide. It's, it's yeah. beginning of the summer yeah. and things yeah. like that. So traditionally, a fire would be lit by Ireland's high king on top of the hill of Tara. And his fire then would be used to light all the other fires. So when St. Patrick lit a fire in advance of High King Leary at the time, he was deliberately inviting attention from the pagan chiefs. The Druid elders were sent by Leary to investigate and they reported back that Patrick's fire had magical powers because they could not put it out. Mm. They warned that if the king did not extinguish Patrick's fire, it would burn forever. Yeah. Um, King Leary was unable to extinguish the saint's fire and accepted that Patrick's magic was stronger than his. Although he did not choose to convert to Christianity himself, the king endorsed Patrick's mission to convert the Irish. Really? Is that true, is it? Do we know that to be historical fact? It's a myth and a legend. Myth and a legend, but yeah. But as we know of all myth and legend, there's there is something there's in it some, to... something has happened for them to conjure this. Mm. You see... A lot of these things we think is impossible, but I still think in my brain, somewhere in my brain says that miracles still, you know, have happened and still miracles can happen. Miracles happen every day. So, so, so who knows? Um, another myth and legend about St. Patrick. So this has come from um, a, a quite a well-known poem known as The Deer, Deer's Cry or St. Patrick's Breastplate. And the story is told of how the saint used 
um, a power called um, Fefida to transform himself and a companion into wild deer so they could escape ambush while on their way to preach at the Hill of Tara. Yeah. Um, so Fefida is almost like a cloaking yeah. thing, turn yourself into something else, maybe invisibility yeah, sh or shape-shifting. Yeah. Um, so this royal hill in the Boyne Valley was the ancient capital of Ireland and to the Druids a sacred dwelling place of the gods. So awaiting their arrival and with every intention of attacking or imprisoning the two Christians, their Celtic adversaries saw only deer with a fawn roaming across the fields, and as a result of his power, the missionaries success successfully reached the hill without any issues. Yeah. Mm. So that's another really famous yeah. thing that apparently he has done. I move on to an another, another miracle performed by St. Patrick. Go. St. Patrick spent f the 40 days of Lent uh, on a mountain in County Mayo. The mountain is now known as Krug Patrick. Mm. So during his days, he was harassed by demons disguised as blackbirds, and the birds formed such dense clusters that the sky turned black. That according to legend, St. Patrick continued to pray and rang his bell as um, a proclamation of his faith. In answer to his prayers, an angel appeared and told him that all of these petitions on behalf of the Irish people would be granted and they would retain their Christian faith until Judgment Day. Mm. Yeah. So again, so he spent the 40 days on the mountain and he fought off the demons yeah. and, and and stayed strong and stayed true. And as a result, um, the angel said, you know, Christianity and, and the faith would be strong in Ireland until the Day of Judgment. And I think that's I think that's true anyway, isn't it? Because they're such a religious nation. They are. Yeah. A beautiful people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love the Irish. So do I. And I love the Irish accent is my favourite accent in the world. Incredibly sexy. Sexy. Yeah. Oh, mm. nothing better than a a dark Irish man with wild black hair and dark eyes with an Irish. Oh my God. With a shepherd's hook and a sheepdog. Well. Any, any type, you know, wouldn't necessarily have to be a shepherd. Well, any type of one would. It, he right? could have been up the pub. I'd still have had a little look. Oh Hello. my goodness! Oh my! Do you know the last couple of episodes? Talk to we've... me, sexy boy, in the accent. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked a lot about. Um... I know we keep doing it. We've got to stop. We're all adults here. <laughs> I hope we've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Did you know there are three patron saints of Ireland? So obviously Patrick is our most famous and beloved. Yeah. But there's also Brigid and mm. Columba. Right. And I'm going to tell you about them because I had I didn't have a clue. No. Did you have a Scooby? No. So we're going to start with St Brigid, also known as Brigid of Kildare, and it is Ireland's only female patron saint. Oh. She was born around the year 451 AD, so it's a similar time to, yeah. to Patrick, uh, just north of Dundalk, County Louth. Mm. Have I said this right? Don't know. Oh, I hope so. During her life, she, um, she was a Irish Christian nun, an abbess, and a founder of many different monasteries across Ireland. Her most famous monastery is one in Kildare, and it was built in 480 AD. And according to tradition, she picked the spot because it was um, where a shrine to the Irish goddess 
Brigade mm. was located. An eternal flame on the shrine was regularly tended to by a group of young women. Mm. I tried to look it up. I don't know if the flame still goes. I don't know. I don't know. But that's the that's the tradition. Yeah. That's the myth. That's the legend. As with St. Patrick, there are many stories about St. Brigid. And one of them is her ability to turn water into... Wine. Beer. Ah. Ah. Yay. Can we find one that turns water into vodka? That, uh, well, I was meant to say it's probably a Russian patron. Saying, I was but say, we're, but we we're anti, we we're anti that. Russians, oh, no, no, no not Don't today. say anything about the Russians. During her life which she devoted to God. She was known for her generosity to the poor and was um, a beautiful and kind woman and, you know, um, a leader in the community, an ambassador. And, you yeah. know, she she did everything she possibly could to help the needy. She died at the age of 74 in the year 525 in Kildare. Um, and it's the same place that she built all of her monasteries and stuff yeah. for the nuns. So her best known story, so I'm not going to give you loads and loads of story like Patrick, but I'm going to give you her best known one, is the story of her cloak. So as a nun, she wanted to build a convent, but had no land on which to build one. So she asked the King Leinster for land, but was laughed off, basically. She prayed and asked God to soften the King's heart, and so after asking the king again, she asked for land that her cloak could cover. With the king thinking it was a small cloak, he accepted. So when <laughs> St Brigid placed her cloak on the ground, it grew and grew and grew until it was big enough to build a convent on and have land. And, you know, it was a huge estate. The king of Leinster then had to have a change of heart and gave permission for her to um, build a convent on that land. He soon then became a Christian himself and changed his ways as well oh. and followed her path and was helping the poor and was a good king and did all the right things and did all the right things by his people. Well, if you saw that cloak grow, you, you would I'd do go, it. Oh, well, listen, be, that's yeah, it. Get um, me involved in this. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a trade. I'll have a yeah. slice. I'll have a slice of that. I'm repenting all my sins. Yeah. Take all your taxes back. Bread for everyone. <laughs> Bread for everybody. Um... Now I move on to St. Columba, um, or Comsil, some people call him, St. Comsil or St. Columba. So he was born on the 7th of December, 521 AD. So again, you know, it's not yeah. it's not too dissimilar in time. Um, in County Donegal. Yeah. Uh, he was an Irish abbot and ministry. Missionary. Fucking idiot. Oh, really? Oi. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listen, I apologise. We'll have a quick pit stop because it is St. Patrick's Day. We're having a small booze <laughs> to mark the occasion. And that's the small booze. That's how small of a booze it is. I will continue. <laughs> um, he is credited as well with spreading, <laughs> spreading Christianity. Um, in Scotland. Yeah. So I don't know how he ended up the patron saint of Ireland, but we will get into that. Yeah. Um, as well as spreading Christianity in Scotland, he also did it in Ireland as well. He continued Patrick's mission. Yeah. He spent time on missions to Scotland and Ireland and, and spent time con converting 
communities to Christianity. And he was highly regarded in Scotland by the Picts and the Gals. Mm. And they lived in the kingdom that was like the kind of west coast of Scotland yeah. and the northeast tip of kind of Ireland. Yeah. So the Picts, they're the ones that painted themselves blue and things like that. Yeah. Do you know the ones? Highlanders. Yes. Mm. So I love Highlanders. They really respected him. Yeah. Um, and took on what he was saying. And, you know, he was a, a big character at the time. Now, his most memorable achievement was founding an abbey on the island of Iona. Yeah. Heard of it? Yes. And that is just off the west coast of Scotland. So he arrived there in 563 AD and he had with him 12 companions and he founded a monastery. It soon became an important and influential centre for the spread of Christianity in Scotland. St Columba had previously created a monastery in Derry. Um, in around 540 AD, but it was his one in Iona that attracted attention from all over Europe and it be quick, quickly became a place of pilgrimage. It is said that 48 Scottish kings, 8 Norwegian kings and 4 Irish kings are buried on the island. Really? That's some crazy history right there. Crazy, isn't it? crazy. God, that's mad. Uh, I think when I googled it today, I may be wrong and I may have completely be thinking about something completely different but i think it has a population of 177. the abbey is still there beautiful no i oh, i don't know well if you googled it yeah i don't know there we go um comsil or columba despite being an irish patron saint didn't really spend that much time in ireland um, in his later life, he's dead. He spent most of his time in Scotland, like we said, and it's believed that he did return to Ireland briefly in um, 580 AD and found a monastery in um, County Offaly. Mm. Offaly. Oh, I'm so, guys, I'm sorry if I've butchered it. According to traditional sources, so the history books, um, Columba died in Iona on the 9th of June, 597 AD at the age of 85. That's a long life for those days. It is a long life for them days. He is buried in the abbey that he created and his relics stayed there until um, 849 AD until they were divided up between Ireland and Scotland. St Columba's feast day takes place on the 9th of June every year. However, unlike St Patrick's Day, isn't widely celebrated mm. now i move on to this little known fact oh yes saint columba has become attached to the first ever recorded story of the loch ness monster wow see now you're getting into good territory. here we go are you ready for this this is yep. really interesting so there is a biography called the life of saint columba uh, which was written by um adam nen and this was about a century after it actually happened. So St. Columba was in the land of the Picts when he came across a man being buried next to the river Ness. The people burying him claimed that he was killed by a water beast. So St. Columba sent a follower to swim across the river. A beast approached him, but Columba made the sign of the cross and said, go no further, do not touch the man, go back at once. And the creature fled. So it's, that is the first documented um story that there is a water beast 
in Loch Ness. Plesiosaur, or some people pronounce plesiosaur. That's what it is. Or a large log with vines. No. Who knows? It's a, it's a plesiosaur. But that's, I thought that was really amazing and really interesting. Yeah. Mm. So they are your feet for, for the three patron saints of Ireland. I really enjoyed the research for this episode. I really feel like I've learned a lot yeah, and that definitely. I feel educated. And I hope you all do too, because we celebrate these days and we we do things just out of tradition and just because, but we never really have a full knowledgeable understanding of why we do them or the people behind them. Mm. So um, we gave you a little bit of background on Halloween and we've given you some on St. Patrick's Day. I shall do St. George's Day when it comes. Yeah, it's a bit out of our usual remit. This is more historical, but fascinating nevertheless. What would be interesting, but you see, we can't find out this information, you know, any ghost stories pertaining to, to these saints and the places um, they I, I I tried to obviously, you know, like our hometown, St. Osith, named after the saint, Osith, there is a ghost story attached to her. Oh, there's her hundreds and, attached you know, to her, the myth, yeah. the legend. I couldn't find any mm. um, online. I think stuff like that, you have to go in and investigate and talk to the people. And it's the older people of the towns and, and the villages that will say, oh, yes, there's loads, but not everything gets online, does it? And unless you go to these places and ask for personal experiences... Um, we can't always find it, can we? No, and um, if you herald back to a few episodes ago, we did a Celtic myth and legend. Well, we touched on like about 0.5% of Celtic myth and legend. But in that, I talk about a series on YouTube where they interview yes, yeah. the older generation of Ireland and they, they talk about kind of your their understanding of the myth and legend is absolutely and fascinating. Go and watch it. And actually I reckon, you know, if we sat down and spoke to them people and said, you know, what's your understanding? Do you know anything else? They could absolutely you know enrich these stories. But I've got Irish family. It might be worth a call to see if there's any, you know, inherited stories that might be worth a call for another because we've done you know i think we've done our island two or three times now the myths and legends so i think next time we do it i think let's and talk the, do you know what people. there will be because you know what the irish are fantastic at doing is keeping their heritage, heritage alive oh, yes the same as the scots uh, yeah and the english in a lot of ways yeah I, you know let's let's, not, let's are, not discredit yeah. ourselves you know i think in terms of you know um western world there is a huge, huge kind of, um, oh, I don't want to say heritage, but a wealth of tradition and connection to the past and yeah. myths and, the, and legends and, and stories. Just... You know, our, our isles, our lands yeah. are steeped in prehistoric history. Yeah. And... A lot of these stories are still with us today and there are things that maybe we would consider a little bit modern, but you can still lend that they um, stem back from mm. the, you know, the, you know the actual to do is traditional. Find some first-hand experience of people that work at the Tower of London, you know, some of the, the guards, some of the beef eaters. I mean, that place is the most one of the most amazing places in, in, on this planet but any any any, any of our heritage sites do you know what i mean it's 
to the point that even um oh, what's that big organization that look after all the big heritage sites in the uk yeah um um I don't know, the, um, the National Heritage. National Heritage people. Yeah. If you go on their website, they have a page dedicated to ghost sightings. That is how, you know, that is yeah. how in tune we are with... Um, and that's how long it's been going on. And, and you know, as it's, when, as when, it's taken when, to be fact. And we have such a barbaric and beautiful, beautiful, um, barbaric and brutal, bloody yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd be fooled to think that we've not got a spook or two. But I love the tradition of... It was funny. I was at the school today picking up Jude. And I was talking to someone I know. And um, her husband. And for some reason it got on to... I can't remember what it was, actually. We were talking about the school field years ago when we were kids. And he was saying, oh, when he was a kid it was supposed to be haunted, blah, blah, blah. And um, we touched on the subject for a minute. And he 100% completely and utterly denied the existence or ghosts of spirits or anything on this planet and i'm like what he said well no he said i don't but i can't believe it and, and and i was i was amazed and i said do you know what it is i said how much research i said because these days science can document and can measure and and and, and, and this is scientific fact these days and he said well, i don't believe it i said do you know do you know the thing thing is i like to talk to, to skeptics that have actually researched it. Because so many people don't believe it, don't want to know. Have you researched it? No, I'm not interested because it doesn't exist. Do the research first, then let's have a considered debate about it. But it still amazes me. I mean, he's a lovely, lovely fella. But it still amazes me these days that some people still refuse to even con understand, conceive in their brain of the possibility of, of ghosts and spirits and, and other entities. It just blows my mind that some people and you know and they won't look and they won't research because they they don't want to know that they don't want to be proved wrong or they're too scared to think seriously about the existence of it because it's Crazy. much easier to say no yeah but listen in um in line with this episode let's keep storytelling alive talk to people tell people what you've heard today talk to people say listen did you know this about st patrick let's keep the myths and legends alive because it's a beautiful beautiful yeah. thing yeah and i think it's inherent to humanity and is actually what a part of what makes us human yeah is um oral myth and legend mm. and tales and stories and keeps us in our cultures as well steadfast in our cultures it does i think it, it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing um and hopefully I've maybe educated a lot of people this evening. And hopefully you can tell your friends and family a little something that you've learned today. And say, listen, I listened to the Haunted Podcast and I learned that uh, actually there isn't any snakes in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Listen, but... Which is still to be disputed. Still to be disputed. But we hope you have enjoyed our very special St. Patrick's Day episode. A very, very happy St. Patrick's Day to one, one and, and all. all. Continue to spread love, continue to spread positivity. Especially these days. We Especially need these it. days. Our love and prayers, as always, with um, the people of Ukraine who are. And the poor bloody bastards that live in Russia and that, that, are, that haven't got a clue what what's is going, going on. on. You know. Some, you know, some people find it hard to believe they don't know. But, you know, listen, a lot of them just don't know. 
but their country's been destroyed, everything, their economy, they'll suffer as well. And it's not their fault, it's just one mad bastard at the top. The world is suffering, so make sure you spread your love and your light to everyone and everything. And above all, just be kind, because life now is tough for everybody. There is not a person in this world that is not feeling the effect in some way, mm. you know. And you know what, Freddie? It's like little things. If I walk past the street and somebody looks up and smiles or says, morning, do you know what? It's such a lovely thing to do. And so many people don't do it. Just, But in this village, it's all quite, you know, morning, morning. And especially the older, the older generation will say it a lot. But, you know, carry that stuff on because most people don't even put their face up to look at anyone. But it's a simple thing, but it's a really important thing to do that. Hugely important. And it is part of what makes us human. It's part of what makes us an intelligent species is that we can love and care for each other. And this is, and I read this the other day. They asked, she's a uh, professor in in something but it's the evolution of people and they said what is the first sign of humanity mm. and they're expecting to say they expect tools or building huts they yeah. said no it is finding skeletons of people with healed um broken fibias they said because that meant that because in the wild now if an animal gets a broken leg they're pro you know yeah that's, that's it. it yeah you're done but when people have that healed broken bone, that meant that a person took them in, cared for them, protected them, fed them, yeah. watered them, yeah. and saved them from the outside world. Yeah. And that is the first sign of humanity, yeah. is that we can care and look after each other. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's been lost because we don't... It's gone. It's gone. Magic, magically, over the... over the, At a very short amount of time, because, you know, back in the day... From how my nan and granddad used to speak, even how my mum would speak, people would look out and care for their community. Yeah. Doesn't happen no more. Be that person. It takes one person to reach out and be a good person. And even just to check in with your neighbours and say, you all all right? Do you need anything? How are you all doing? But it makes you feel good as a human being because you're proud of yourself and you think, no, I've done something good today. Do you know, I always remember when I was a little girl, I suppose I was eight or nine, living in this village, and I was walking along the street and this little old lady, and I used to see her walk all the time. And she used to hobble along. And Sorry, one day, I'm, I'm just pouring another tribute to Ireland. She she stopped me, and she was the sweetest, lovely little lady. And she stopped me, and she said, "Oh!" She grabbed my arm. She said, "Oh, I've got something for you." She reached into her bag, and there was this bar of chocolate. And she she snapped me off two pieces, and it was the type of thing my nan would have done. Oh, listen, it's just before dinner. Don't let your mum see. But this lady was a stranger. I always knew she was in the village, but I'd never. But she stopped me. She would see I was a little girl, and she said, "Here, come here." She she dived into her bag. She was obviously a lady of the war war days, probably from the first world war. I'm talking about a long, long time ago. And she she snapped me off those. And of course, in those days, we didn't get chocolate. I mean, I'm I'm going back a long time ago. And she gave me these two squares of chocolate, and she said, "Go on, have it. Go on." Well, you can imagine. I was like, oh my God, I've given, you know, it's not, we were allowed sweets on a Friday only, only in, in my house. But for a, a little a lazy, go on, have, have a little bit of chocolate. And it was such a kind thing to do. And I bet you nobody would do that these days. No, of course they wouldn't. 
Go on, have, have a little bit of chocolate. And you thought, oh, bless her, that was probably her, her chocolate bar. But do you know what? She that that, that tiny act of kindness, that. Yeah. Tiny kindness 40 years on, yeah. has resonated I've with never you. never forgotten it, yeah. Can you imagine having that much of an impact on someone? I can see her face now. In, the, can, in yeah. the street, just by being kind. And listen, if we take anything from this, and anything from the Irish, because the Irish are notoriously... Kind people, generous people, yeah. loving people. Yeah. Spread that. Spread that. Be good. Be kind. Look after one another. Spread the love. Spread the light. Be good and be honest. Right. Are we gonna Are we gonna leave with a rendition of Danny Boy? Oh, oh Danny, Danny Boy. boy. <laughs> the lights. The light. No, but no. Yeah, I'm not no, not, not sure on the words. But um, either. <laughs> I, I think the Irish would rather we didn't, actually. But that is a, a very traditional song. It certainly was in my family, because every time they get drunk when I was in Ireland, we all ended up singing it, so... OK, well, it's been lovely seeing you all this evening. We're all going to chip off now and have a, a nice glass of wine. <laughs> That's a terrible Irish accent. That's a terrible Irish accent. I, I, I like the male more... Slurry, kind of deep Irish. I've lit a candle and it's there for you. Oh, that's a bit better. <laughs> I'm quite good at an Irish accent normally, but I am a bottle of wine in. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Live long and prosper. And be good, kind and honest. That's what you always say. No, You're be good, be tonight. safe. Oh, yeah, be, be good, good, be safe, be honest. Be safe. And if you can't do that, be honest. And kind. And kind and respectable. Don't piss in alleyways. Good night. <laughs>